I tell people many times that once I get to talking, everything becomes a rather a, a blank or a blur. So I like to take just a moment to try to take in how many people are here. We have people that are visiting us from different states, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Texas, Florida. Florida. So glad to have you with us. And there may be others, and I apologize if I have missed you. But we're glad to have you with us. And as Jeremy mentioned, we do have a meal that is planned for today. What a thrill to have breakfast for a Sunday dinner. I love having breakfast for dinner and supper. I could go on and on, but I won't, but I won't. Seven times, the version that was read, Jesus replies, but 77 times. Some of your versions say, seven times 70. Seven times is a lot to forgive someone, don't you think? I've got several loopholes that we're going to find here for forgiving people. So if you don't really feel like forgiving people, I've got some loopholes for you, okay? I know that you will love to hear these. Because typically, when we talk about this subject, people want to know, well, what about? We'll cover some of those. Just to make sure. Peter asked that, that great question. The, the context, if we go just a little bit above that, is that Peter wants to know if we can, he can go a little bit above in forgiveness. Because according to the Jewish tradition, you were required to forgive for three times. But Peter says, how about seven times? Thinking that... I'm not really sure what Peter was thinking, but he might have been thinking that, well, I can, go, I can do better than three times. But not even seven times was enough. And if you have a little notebook where you're keeping track of how many times you've had to forgive someone and you're up around 400 <laughs> on the way to 490, we'll talk about that too. Our theme in the month of July, because July is the seventh month, the themes for the sermons are in sevens. And this sermon is Seven Blessings Found in Forgiveness. Now we could talk all day long about the forgiveness that God has showered down upon us, and that would take a long time. But this is the forgiveness that we give to other people and the blessings that we find in it. And you may know already that there are more than seven. But because of the time constraints, oh, look, there's no clock. There's no time constraint today. Here we go. I'll just, I'll speak until people start to get up and leave. Don't get up and leave. I'll keep track of the time. But seven blessings that we find in forgiveness. And the one really is, is found within our passage today. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So every time we come to a loophole 
And you say, well, what about this? I'm going to say, see Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. If you think you have a way to get out from forgiving someone, I say, see this passage. There's also another passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. We know this as the Lord's model prayer or the Lord's prayer in this, in which he says, beginning in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There are many frightening verses in Scripture. But for myself personally, these two from Matthew chapter 18 and Matthew chapter 6 are among the most frightening to me. Because when I think of holding a grudge, I need to have this on a sticky note that I pull out of my pocket and say, oh, you'd like to hold a grudge. Well, let's take note of this. That if I'm unwilling to forgive someone, what if they didn't ask for forgiveness? See Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. If we forgive, we are forgiven. And when we look at the context of Matthew chapter 18, when you realize that great debt, that unbelievable burden of a debt that was forgiven this man, for when you look at what the cost was here, how many of you have sat down and figured out how much this was that he owed? 10,000 talents. Now, a talent of gold is 75 pounds. Do the math. Could never hope to repay that debt. And he turns around and is unwilling to forgive the one who says a hundred denarii. What do you think that 10,000 talent debt is? That's my sins. Those sins that have been forgiven to me, and I'm willing to forgive such a very small debt. If we forgive, we are forgiven. But if we do not forgive, neither will we be forgiven. That's enough right there. We could stop. and We could all go home and feel good and know that that is the limitation. But there are other blessings that perhaps we don't realize. If you'd like to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, forgiving others brings us harmony in our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, as Paul writes to the church at Colossae, beginning in verse 12, Paul writes to them, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There we go. If you want another loophole, see Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So I want to put on love, 
but I don't want to have a, here's the list. Can you have perfect harmony and love if you don't have a compassionate heart? Or if you don't practice kindness, or humility, or meekness, or patience, or if you don't forgive someone? How can that have harmony in it? For learning to forgive others brings harmony into our lives. I'm going to date myself here because I'm going to talk about these old things called vinyl records. And every once in a while, we would buy a vinyl record that was pressed slightly off-center. And we would put that record on. Sometimes, the first time, obviously, we were shocked. But after that, we put it on just to have fun because it was slightly off-center. And once every revolution, you get the idea. It's not in harmony. It's not in sync with itself. It's not perfectly centered. And part of that is learning to forgive adds harmony to our lives. And you know very well if you have held a grudge or if you're unwilling to forgive someone, you know that it does not add harmony to your life. And the Opposite of harmony is unharmony. I know somebody who's a grammarian is going to say, no, 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 uh, you, they'll catch me afterwards. I know it. I know it already. Harmony in our lives in this. We look at the third one. If you'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And as I began to talk about this holding a grudge, and before we get there, how many of us have heard of great stories of people who have forgiven great transgressions against them? I read of people whose child has been killed by a drunk driver. And the parents forgive the person. And on and on that list goes of great transgressions that have been forgiven. And I think I have a lot to learn from people who show that type of mercy and forgiveness. And all the way on the other end in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to begin with verse 30. Because it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Notice how the comparison is made of forgiving others as you have been forgiven. Have you known someone who is bitter? Would it be safe to say that we all have met someone in our lives who has harbored a grudge and has become bitter? I tend to liken it to that little sliver that I would get. You know the worst slivers is from cedar. I don't know what it is about cedar, but I don't like any slivers, but cedar seems to be the worst. And it gets underneath there, 
And I don't notice it at first, but then it becomes irritated. Then it turns red, and then it begins to fester. And then I try to think of, I need to get the hatchet, get that sliver out. But you know how it comes to that point to where it festers. And that's what bitterness is. And the term bitterness here that's used in the Greek means a poison. For those who are in the medical field, know that one of the questions they ask someone who calls and says, I think I may have taken poison. And they'll ask you, did it taste bitter? Because most poisons have that bitter taste. Not all, but there's a certain part of the tongue that tastes that bitterness. And it just makes us recoil. Bitterness. And the longer we go without forgiving, the more bitter we become. And how many of us have known someone who, for whatever reason, talks of something that happened a year ago? Let's not even go that long. Something that happened last week. We just can't put it away. Or it happened a month ago. Or a year ago. Or ten years ago. Or when we were a child. And we just can't let that go. You really can't move on spiritually, really, until you learn to let such things as that go. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, which one of those would you like to have in your life? None of those. But he says, be kind to one another and tenderhearted. And notice how it is forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, many times when they talk about forgiving others, they bring it back to the fact of how we have been forgiven by God. And that weight of the 10,000 talents looks really heavy compared to that little bitty thing that we tend to hang on to. Romans chapter 6, if you'd like to be turning there. Paul's wonderful chapter that talks about dying to the old life and being raised again. But in with this, he talks about slavery and freedom. Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness... So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Did you know that if you are unwilling to forgive, you become a slave to that? It becomes that, as we see, these are linked. You become a slave to that, never letting go. Every time that a person or a situation is brought up, you come back to that moment. Well, I remember when so-and-so did such and such. You've become a slave to that. 
and you will not be free of it until you have left. Having put those into context, we move to some real blessings, as if those weren't blessings enough. But forgiveness allows us to love, and to love unconditionally. If I asked you, what is the great chapter in love in the Bible? We probably would all say, well, it's 1 Corinthians 13, and you would be correct. It is the great chapter on love. But as Paul points out in the first three verses, I may have great gifts and great knowledge, and I may do great works, but if I do not have love. And then he goes from verses 4 through 7 and describes what love really is. And I wonder if we took and replaced love with forgiveness, if that could bring a context to it without violating the sanctity of Scripture. But if he said, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not forgiveness, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not forgiveness, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not forgiveness, I gain nothing. It fits, doesn't it? Forgiveness is patient and kind. Forgiveness is not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Forgiveness does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Forgiveness bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Forgiveness never ends. Forgiveness allows us to love unconditionally. Because as long as, as I hold on to that unforgiveness, I really can't reach out in love. There's something that holds me back just a little bit, and sometimes a lot of it, from showing true and complete love. Oh, I may have a cordial relationship, but I'm unable to truly love when I'm hanging on to unforgiveness. Further than that, forgiveness lets our light shine in the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, in the passage that we know of as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What greater testimony is there for the world to see forgiveness that is alive and well in the disciple of Christ. 
you may not have noticed, and it may come as a shock to you. There are people outside of the church who don't forgive. I know that's a shock. Even more shocking, there may be people within the church who are unforgiving. And think of what people must think when they say, what is that term that we use when someone says something but does something else? Oh, they're hypocrites. And rightly so, we're called that. When we at least don't try to live up to what we are commanded to do. You are the light of the world. If the world is going to see good, they must see it in us. Paul says we're the pillar of truth. And finally, forgiveness breeds forgiveness. When I see people who have forgiven great transgressions, it does me good. It makes me see that if they can forgive something that great, then who am I to not forgive the smallest of transgressions? We should be imitators of God. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We should be imitators of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Our leaders within the church, we ought to imitate them. The writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you in the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. As individuals, Paul would often tell those that he wrote to, to imitate him. I urge you then, be imitators of me in 1 Corinthians 4, 16. And then as a congregation... Listen to what he writes to the church at Philippi in Philippians 3.17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. From the top all the way to the bottom, what we do ought to be worthy of imitating. And it ought to be something that is a light that shines to the world. It ought to free us to love one another. Seven things within forgiveness that are beautiful and ought to be emulated in our life. The power of forgiveness is as powerful as anything that we know. For think of the effect that forgiveness has on those whom you come in contact with. People outside the church, but within the church, within the brotherhood, within families. And think of husbands and wives who are unforgiving to themselves. They will only be able to go so high spiritually. 
But when forgiveness is freely given and freely shared, they are free to soar to great heights. But as long as that ball of chain of unforgiveness is there, it will hold us back and we will be slaves to it. I was going to make a list of the downside of forgiveness, of those things that, will, that are just no good in forgiveness. But I can't think of one. If you can think if there's a downside to forgiveness, please let me know as we're leaving, and I'll, I'll make a public apology. I just cannot think of a downside to forgiving people. It's all positive, and I've only given you seven here today. And I wonder if that's enough to convince us to cut those chains and live a life that is free to forgive. What do you think? It's ringing in my ear. <laughs> so as we extend the invitation, and the lesson is yours. I hope that every one of us here today is free from those chains of unforgiveness. But if not, this is the day to change. You may make that change within your own heart, and that's good. But you may need the help and prayers of the congregation. And we stand ready to help in any way that we can. It may be that you've seen the benefit, you've seen that light of Christians who are willing to forgive and say, I want to be a part of that. You can this very hour by believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins and willing to repent and turn from that old life, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and being baptized to wash away our sins. You can this very day. But whatever your need is, we stand ready to help in any way that we can. Together we stand and sing. Just